0: Um, so excited uh, to to be continuing in the in the the book of Acts. Such a just such a rich book, and it's great to just remember that we are part of such a such a rich history. Um, that that you know, sometimes it's it's easy to uh, forget or feel get captured by the moment and feel like, uh, oh no, the you know the church is this or the church is that. No, the church is the church is. Been here and will be here, (laughs) and it's good to look back at at some of our foundations and um, see how how God is always doing something new, but He never changes. Somehow that that both of those things are true, and it's amazing to look at 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 Scripture and see see that. Um, let's see. We've been looking at the Book of Acts, the explosion of the church. Last week, we began to look at how whenever God moves, there are threats that will come against his plans, both in the natural and the supernatural. Um, We we looked at last week, uh, the the story of Ananias and Sapphira, we looked at how there was the first thing that that gets recorded is kind of this internal threat to the community and, and how seriously God took that, and we don't have time to go back into that, of course, but you can, um, if you missed last Sunday, it's it's available online. You can check it out uh, uh, on our YouTube channel or, or our website. Um, this week, we're going to see a, a continuation of that theme that that whenever God does something, um, there there is opposition to it, and and we will we will see that it grows in, in the as the story un, unfurls. Um, today, we will see it starts internally. But it is also an external. So there are threats coming from multiple directions um, as we get deeper into Acts. Um, But spoiler alert: we are also going to see the truth rise up that no weapon formed against the plans of the Lord will prosper. Amen. It doesn't. It it, it, at the end it doesn't matter. You can do what you want. You're going to lose if. if God is the one you're going up against. And we're also going to see how that, that, that cliche verse that became cliche because it's just true. That all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Um, we're just going to jump into our text for today starting because we have a, a we're going to get through a lot today. I promise. You <laughs> know, you're like. Sure. Famous last words. Um, if you have your Bibles or want to open it, it'll be on the screen as well. But we're, we're going to start in Acts, the beginning of uh, Acts chapter 6, um, verse 1. This is right after the, 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 the story of Ananias and Sapphira in verse 1. It says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. So we have more internal conflict. The, the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Now, this, this, uh, this bears mentioning this distribution of food was a big deal in Jerusalem. This was a major social uh, crisis in some ways uh, if you remember the, the nation of Israel you know in their history, there were a number of times where the the nation was taken into exile right and they they were in Egypt and Babylon and all these these places and many Jews never resettled in Israel when when they they reclaimed that land and so you had um, you had israeli jews but you also had this huge population of of jews that were all over the known world at that time okay from all these 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 exiles that that had set up communities and were still living at large if you will um if you ever see the word in 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 any like bible right the di- diaspora it's the the spreading that's the the word they they like to use um but you had a lot of this, and so you had Jews from all over the world, and it was very common at that time for oldish Jewish couples to return to their motherland, to return to Israel um, in their, their later years, so they could, they could spend their final years living amongst their people and ultimately be buried in Israel. Um, this caused a bit of a social issue because there was an. what would happen is these older couples would come and then the, a lot of times the husband would die because they're older and you know, us guys, we're not, we do stupid stuff. We just don't, we just aren't able to live as long. It's just the way it is. Um, and so what it would what happened was you would end up with the, an exorbitant amount of widows who needed cared for. Remember, this is this is uh, at a time where there was no uh, social security, there wasn't life insurance programs, and these sorts of things. Um, but the culture um, was ingrained with this idea that the community should see the needs specifically of widows and orphans. And so this was this was a, a big need um, that that crept up in, in, in Jerusalem specifically. Um, and so when the the, the new church, when, when in Acts, when, when they begin to the start the new church, they, they take this culture, they take this priority, this value, and, and they, 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 they run with it. So they are providing for, for the needs of the widows in their community. Um, now you notice I said perceived discrimination because we don't actually know what the root cause was. We, it's recorded that there were people that were upset because they felt like there was this discrimination happening. We don't know for, for an actual fact what, what was going on, what the real uh, source of this was. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes we, we make assumptions that, that maybe we shouldn't. Um, we don't know what the root cause. It could have been lack of process lack of just organization, that, that, that was, people were falling through the cracks. It could have been a heart issue. It could have been that the people that were making the decisions had some form of prejudice or some form of, 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 of malice or, or, or a grudge against kind of the, the, the outsider believers that, that didn't grow up there. That's completely possible. Um, it could have been a misconception. There could have just been a feeling of being discriminated, and maybe there really wasn't. We don't, we don't know. Um, but I think it's, it's a good side lesson. This is not the, the main point I'm, I'm getting at, but uh, we, should, we should always be cautious or very self-introspective of attaching motivations to problems. Just because there's a problem doesn't mean you know why there's a problem necessarily. Um, that's for free. That's not, that's not where we're going with this. Uh, but whatever, whatever the problem was, whatever the root was, I love the apostles' solution to it. it, it, it we see in verse, starting verse, in verse 2, if we keep reading, it says, So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. So the apostles, these uh, this group of Greek-speaking believers come and say, hey, we, we see this problem. Our, the, the Greek-speaking uh, widows are not getting taken care of, and, and, and what are you going to do about it? And so the apostles call this meeting, and they say, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. Verse 3 says, and so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. Then we, the apostles, can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Everyone I liked like this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, who we'll talk about more in a minute. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, a couple other people. these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them so god's message continued to spread and the number of believers greatly increased in jerusalem and many of the jewish priests were converted as well so their solution was they realized that for for the community to continue to grow deeper and wider there was a capacity issue their capacity to serve and lead had to grow as well and for that to expand, they needed more people involved. And so, how did they do that? I, I love this, this, this model or this idea that they, they just empowered the body. They, they, this is a dangerous way of, of leading. We don't see this a, a lot now. Verse 3, he, the apostles say, you select seven men. They didn't even handpick them. You know, that's, that, that's more atypical what you would see. They say, you, you pick seven guys that, that you, you trust, you respect, you know would do a good job, and then we will, we will ratify them. They, you know, they still were involved. They, they blessed them. They laid hands on them. They, they, they put them in the position. But, but it was from the body that the men were selected. This is where we get um, kind of a lot of our, our, our church structure when we talk about deacons and elders. This is, this is kind of one of the birthplaces of those concepts. They expanded who was invited to serve and lead. They didn't just keep trying to solve the problem amongst themselves. And um, I noticed something else really interesting about this. Actually, that's, that's not true. I read a commentary that somebody wrote that noticed something interesting um, <laughs> when I was studying this. Uh, notice anything interesting about this list of names? That they did fill up. Nicanor, Timon, Premienius, Nicholas, Procurus. There's no Joshua. It's not a Moses. We got no. These are not Jewish names. These are Greek names, right? And so, so the people that are picked are actually picked out of the group that is feeling ostracized. And I think that's a powerful example for us. It's a, a powerful thing that, that we as the church and as, 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 a, as a church should, should be doing. We should be looking to, to reach out. When, when somebody feels like there's a problem, um, one of the first things I, I try and do is, if you come to me with a problem, uh, just fair warning, there's a real good chance my response is going to be to inquire as to how you might be part of the solution for said problem. Um... My Dad has a saying, he says it all the time. Uh, a problem without a solution is just a complaint, and so we see here this kind of amazing um, led by the Holy Spirit. the early church was was quick to reach out and to invite other people in to become part of the 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 capacity increasing leadership of of the group and I think we're experiencing, to some extent, these issues here at Christian Assembly right now. That there are areas that we want to grow in and expand in. And the solution is that we need to cre- increase our capacity. And, and like in the early church, I think many of us, all of us, if, if, you, if you are a part of this body and, and have been around and, and care about this body, I'm sure you have probably experienced in some, some, on some level a little bit of this uh discontentment Uh, you notice something oh this 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 could be better i wish this was a little different or why aren't we doing more of this and i'm here to say that those those noticing those things is is actually a good thing it's actually a good thing and it's what i believe is it's god actually calling us to increase our capacity We need to increase our capacity in, in, in many areas, um, but I just want to highlight a couple. Uh, children's ministry, our hospitality ministry, which is, you know, helping new folks get connected and feel welcomed and all that, um, our, our AV media, streaming, you know, the, I, I have a love-hate relationship with technology. It, it, it allows us to do to do more and do some amazing things but it also it very quickly it it grows and demands more attention and more effort as the more you get into it and we we have uh we have some some needs uh, of people that don't write yourself off say oh i'm not a video guy or i'm not a i'm not a you know a, a computer genius that's not what we're that's not what we're, we're needing. We, we just need people that, I mean, if you can, if you use a computer at work, you can probably serve in that area. Um, our food pantry. You know, uh, we, we've been running it for years. It's amazing. Um, but but there are, it, it runs because we have a very small group uh, of dedicated people. And, and to be honest, some of them could use a break um they they <laughs> we 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 should be able to not have everybody serving as much as they are and and other people should be stepping in so that it's more of a balance it's, it's not the totality of all of their free time god bless steve brenner who runs our food bank has been doing it faithfully for a really long time i'm even gonna guess how many years um I think it's funny, you know. We're 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 about to read about Stephen, who who helped run the food bank in the first church, and we got one of our own. Um, Hopefully, ours has a better retirement plan than (laughs) the one we're about to read about. But (laughs) Uh, so, all that to say, as you leave today, we have some information. Um, that they're going to hand you at the, the desk, and I would encourage, or at the the doors you go out, that just gives you some ideas, a short synopsis of some of these areas that you can get plugged in um, with. And I would encourage you to be open and seriously consider if you're not plugged in, if you're not serving, um, if you haven't found your spot yet. Um, there are practical ways that we can serve each other. This is a way, this is a real tangible way that we can, we can love each other and we can, we can ex- together expand our capacity to, to love our city and to love each other and to welcome more people who need to hear the truth of the gospel um, and feel his love and, and be a part of a community that, that, that is transformative. Um, so, those, you'll get those on your way out, and they'll show you they'll, on there. There'll be some si- simple information on how to get plugged in. Um, so, that's our f- first kind of point for today. But then the story kind of shifts. Okay, we go from the church to uh, the story's now going to shift to follow one of these guys. And, um, and we get an amazing picture of what it looks like to be a devoted servant of Jesus. Acts 6, 8 says, Stephen, a man full of grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. So Stephen, this was, he was on the list we just read. So he's one of these first deacons, first people serving in this, this, this food pantry. Um, and I find this, I just found this so interesting. Uh, a man full of grace and power performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. So this, this guy, this guy was, was doing some stuff, right? I mean, he could have been a rock star kind of church thing. He, he could have had aspirations to be an apostle, right? To be an upfront guy, to be, to be leading and, 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 and really out there doing the thing. But instead, he's doing Meals on Wheels. He's just getting in his... I don't know how they Delivered it. They had a cart or a donkey Or whatever, but he was going House to house, dropping off food. He was willing to do what was Needed, not not just what he, he Necessarily wanted To do, or he even had some special gifting To do. He continued to use His gifts where he was, but he didn't Let the fact that he had those gifts Dictate Where he used them. I I think uh, some of us in this instance maybe would be like, well, I'm better suited to do this. That's that's great. Yes, it's important. We need to take care of the, the widows and elders. But, you know, like the apostles, I have these gifts. I really should just be spending my time in prayer and teaching. That wasn't his attitude. His attitude was, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. This is where the need is. This is where I am, and I think it's a good example for us that that sometimes we we should be aware of our giftings and we should be um, passionate about using them for the Lord. But that shouldn't be the the primary driver of how we spend our time. It should be the the should be the needs of others. That's what service is. It's not just doing the things that we like to do it's doing the things that are needed but we see in the rest of this story when we're faithful god god has a plan a significant plan even if it's not the one that we thought of in verse nine it says but one day some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate, debate with them. They were Jews from Cyrene and Alexandria, Sicilia, and uh, the praise province of Asia. None of them could stand against his wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. And from here, Stephen is now arrested and put into the this, court this religious court um for 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 basically doing what he was supposed to what the lord had called him to do now i mean talk about no good deed goes unpunished so these accusations are are levied against them and and the holy spirit shows up in the courtroom and how do we know that well, the next verse—it's pretty obvious. Verse fifteen. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. That's—that's that's amazing to me. That, like, can you imagine? Like, you're accusing this guy, and all of a sudden, like, his face turns into a light bulb. It had to have been a little uh, disconcerting. And I maybe threw off their, their aggressiveness a little bit because they're you know, they levying all these accusations. And then the high priest in the next verse kind of like, it just goes a little more straightforward than the high priest asked Stephen, are these true? Are these true? And this was Stephen's reply. He said, brothers and fathers, listen to me. And that's an important line, brothers and fathers. Um, what we're about to read, his response this is not, he is not addressing outside folks. This is family business. He was, he, 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 he was a part of this community. He's addressing, the community is addressing him. And so what we see here is, um, is not the first interaction between these people. And, and that I just make that point now, cause we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Why that's, why that matters. Um, But he says, brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. And then for the next 40 plus verses, we're not going to read it all. um, (laughs) Because for the next 40 plus verses, that's a lot of verses. He lays out the whole history of Israel. The accusations against him are that that he 's blaspheming Moses and God, so he's basically he 's taking the, the our history and lying about God and lying about our people and so he in his defense lays out flawlessly the, the history of Israel, uh, but he does it in a way that teases out some of the, the teases out some of the truths that they uh, that they would not have been happy to hear um, we maybe call this tough love or harsh truth. Uh, He makes the case that, that throughout history, God has been at work everywhere, not just in Israel. See, there's a, there's kind of a heart attitude in Israel that like, God is great, but God is ours, right? He's just, he, he likes us better than everybody else, and we're special. Because of that and, and, and they, they, there was this kind of real desire to keep God just for the Jews. And Stephen shows how that, that, that has not been that was never the case. He highlights how and he also highlights how Israel consistently rejected God's leadership and the messages, the messengers that, that God sent to them. And then for good measure, he, this is his closing. If it was a sermon, this is his altar call. Verse 51, you stubborn people. You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. You must Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, so that's what you do. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Whew. So here we have this gifted man of God, performing miracles, God humbly, he's serving God humbly, he's serving the church, he gets thrust into the spotlight, the Holy Spirit fills him to the point that his face is glowing, and he he gives this powerful Soul-cutting message, right? And so God must be about to do something amazing. We've seen this story before, right? Where 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 it it, it looks like something is is about to happen, and then God shows up and people get saved or or, or miraculous things happen. Verse fifty-four: The Jewish leaders were infuriated by G- Stephen's accusation. They shook their fists at Ray. At him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. What? (laughs) Stephen did everything right. He did it all just that he was acting under the active influence and power of the Holy Spirit. How could he have failed? No one saw the truth that day. There was no supernatural intervention that saved him. And as a result, we learn in just a few verses later, as a result, the whole church was so gripped with fear that they scattered all over the place. They all ran out, uh, literally, for their lives. Maybe you felt the same way at some point. I know I have. You were following Jesus. You know you're following Jesus. You know you're doing the right thing. And it didn't work out. You stood for truth. And it cost you the promotion. Or your job. You loved that person just like Jesus. And they still rejected you. They still left. They still continued to to not... Not love you back in the way that you deserve. It's easy to feel like a failure in those moments. but I, I've got good news this morning, and that's Jesus has a different definition of success. see we we hear a lot about metrics these days, right the, how you, you measure this, that, and the other. Um, i i i like I enjoy I was just talking about this morning a little bit with with uh, Ian. Over there, but we have a we're in a fantasy football league together. I really enjoy it. I'm horrible at it, but I enjoy playing. Um and it's all analytics, it's all numbers, and you can get as deep into it as you want, and there's people with all these mathematic projections, right? We we are a culture that loves our numbers, that proves this, that, or the other. And that's that's what metrics are, and they, they serve a purpose, right? They help you know where you're at, and they help you they can help you know if you're succeeding or not. The problem is, or the danger of metrics is, sometimes we can look at a number and we think, oh, that number's going up, so things must be good. The problem is, if the number is not measuring the right thing, it's not telling you the truth. And that can happen in our lives, even in this story, where, where our measure of success, we, we, we shift and we focus and we think, oh, I, I judge it by the outcome right I did this and I did this and this happened and I like that this happened so yay win success but that's not how that's not how Jesus measures success His ways are not our ways You know what Jesus me- measurements in our lives are faithful obedience and keeping a soft heart, soft hearted love for God and for others. And when we take that, those metrics, let's, we can take those, let's look at this story again. We'll see, we'll, we'll maybe come out with a different outcome. Let's look at the story again, but through this lens, through Jesus lens. The Jewish leaders were infuriated. By Stephen's accusation, they shook their fists at him in rage. Listen, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Listen, whenever we read in Scripture about Jesus being at God's right, at the right hand of the Father, he's almost, he's almost always sitting. Why is he standing in this story? most most scholars believe he's standing for Stephen. it's a, a sign of respect we we still we do this we know this we do this right um if somebody if you're in a, a very formal setting and and somebody comes in if you're at a wedding and the bride comes in, what do we do? We stand you know in Congress when the president comes in, what do you do you stand when 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 there are some churches where the pastor says some preacher says something really good and you want to let them know what do you you stand. And so here we have Jesus standing for Stephen, getting ready to welcome him into his arms and into eternity. That's a win. That's a win. And if we continue to read, verse 58 says, And they dragged Stephen out of the city and they began to stone him. And the accusers took off their coats and laid them at at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned him. And Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Talk about soft-hearted to the end. And to really understand this moment, there's there's some ironic reversals in the story that we have to see see in a stoning back then it was it was typical that the the guilty party be stripped like strip off his clothes before you would stone him as a sign of his guilt and it was expected that that while you were stoning him he would confess to what he did and then he would recite the prayer may my death atone for my sin." That was that was kind of the, the the way the stonings went back then. It was it was um, it was common. But here we see the exact opposite happen in this this kind of poetic irony. Here the mob takes off their coats. Remember, it says the accusers took off their coats. The mob takes off their coats almost as symbolically saying, we're the guilty party. And Stephen asking for forgiveness for their sins, not his own. That he was bearing the weight of. Talk about soft hearted. Listen, you may be feeling like a failure in an area of your life where Lord, the Lord is actually giving you a standing ovation right now because your, your heart is still soft and because your focus is still on being faithful and obedient. You can't, use out, you can't always use outcomes as a metric for whether things are going the way God wants them to in your life. His ways are not our ways. We only see such a small piece of the puzzle. We don't know what all God's got going on. And these are the pieces that he gives us. Keep your, keep your heart soft. Keep loving others. And keep doing what I say. If you do those two things, we're good. We're good. Because God makes moves that we never see coming. Amen? God makes moves in this month. See? It's a bad look in the moment. There's no way you could look at this story sitting in that time and go, oh, this is God's really up to something, right? You're going to look at this and go, oh, hell's breaking loose. This is horrible. And in, in a lot of ways, it really was. But God still even in that had a plan and was, was doing stuff. See, in the moment, the church scattered in fear, but the outcome eventually was the fulfillment of the Great Commission. See, God and the Holy Spirit empowers the church at Pentecost. You know, he gives them the bullet. But it's the trials and the persecution that was the gun that launched it. It's something about human nature, us, at least us and Christians. We, we do our best work when we're literally under the gun. Something I wish we could change about ourselves, but we haven't figured that out yet. Persecution, trials, t- tribulations, pressure. Is, seems to be historically one of the best catalysts catalysts for, for the Holy Spirit getting squeezed out of us and God to move. So this, this pressure, this persecution, the outcome was, was the spreading of the gospel, was the Great Commission, was the original thing that Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. It was, it was this moment that really launched that in a, in a, in a way that, that hadn't, they hadn't seen before because it scattered them to literally the corners of the earth and they took Jesus with them. See, in the moment, it looked like there was a great enemy of the church by a guy named Saul. It looked like he was going to single-handedly go around and wipe out this church. But the outcome was Stephen's sacrifice started Saul on a path that would lead him to becoming the greatest church planner and evangelist and writer of more than a quarter of the New Testament. A major reason why you and I are sitting in this room today is because of and all of that was set into motion by one man's willingness to devote his life and act so much like Jesus to the point that he died like Him, he forgave like Him, and he obeyed like Him. This is the, this is the great example that, that we are challenged to follow. And by faith, we are challenged to to believe in in the ultimate outcomes that God has has something amazing in store. Listen, God don't lose. That's That's my grand theological statement for today. God don't lose. It's bad grammar, but it's good theology. God don't lose your faithfulness and soft heartedness today will be a seed that God will use to grow a field tomorrow bet on it It may not be the way you think it may not be for the people you wished it was for more on that next week but faithfulness and soft heartedness God is calling us to both of these things. If we want a community that looks like Jesus and impacts the world like Jesus, we've got to have both of these things. We have to, like Stephen, we have to be obedient enough to look people in the eye and tell them the cold, hard truth and soft-hearted enough to forgive them for something that they're doing to you that they deserve. We got to have both. We got to have both. And the only way you can walk in both is if you're willing to let go, truly let go of control of outcomes. See, Stephen, the only way Stephen can do this and and be soft-hearted in that moment enough to pray for the people that are throwing rocks at his head is if he's willing to let control or his desire for control over the situation, go and say, God, I trust you. I have to, I trust that in this moment, you are still, your good plans are still going to be accomplished. And if we'll do that, if we'll live lives like that, I think we'll be amazed at what our life looks like moving forward. I'm going to close today with just a a time of of prayer uh, for some kind of specific things. Um, You guys want to stand for a moment? We'll... I'm gonna bow your heads and close your eyes. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for some couple of different groups of people, and um, I want to invite you. If, if as I'm praying for for a group uh, of people, if, if if the Lord stirs you or you you feel yourself included in that group, just as as a, a physical sign of of recognition of that. This isn't for me. This is just a, a physical way that we can kind of join in the prayer and, and connect with, with Jesus and invite Him to, to work in our lives in that moment. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Um, not going to call on you. <laughs> not going to ask you to come down uh, or anything like that. But but um, and then if I move on to something else that doesn't you know doesn't actually apply, feel free put your hand back down. Um, but I just wanted to give us an opportunity to, to respond. And, and, and I feel like God wants to, to just minister uh, to some of us today. So, Father, we 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 thank you for your word. Um, we thank you for the examples in your word, God. We recognize that your ways are not our ways, and that we live in a world that is constantly trying to dictate to us what success looks like and what failure looks like, and we we. We thank you for your word today that, that shows us the light of what you really care about. Of what your priorities are. God, help us to make your metrics our metrics. That we, when, we, when we evaluate our lives and our decisions and when we make decisions, we, we, we use the things that you care about to make those decisions. Not the things that the world cares about or the things that make sense to us, God. And so Lord, I just I pray I want to pray right now for for any of us who maybe have been feeling a a sense of failure or false guilt for situations in their life, for outcomes that seem like they're failures, but they were born out of following your priorities, God. Holy Spirit, would you would you minister to those people this morning? Would you show them your your joy, your, your approval of them? God, would you minister your peace to them? when we follow you, when we are faithful, there is no failure. Or would you give them eyes to see the way you see their lives and, and those situations? And Lord, I, I pray pray also for, for any of us who have been, we look at our lives and we recognize that maybe, maybe we've been, using the wrong metrics to measure our success. God, we look at our life and there are areas of our life that, that maybe have some, some outcomes we really like. And so we've put that in the win column, but maybe the, there's, something, there, there's something there in the way we arrived at it that, that's not that you don't count it as a win, God. Would you reveal that to us? Because nothing's a win unless you say it's a win. God, would you convict us of those areas that we take pride in that you don't? Would you show us areas and ways that we we maybe are imbalanced, we're we're willing to obey as long as we can do it with an air of superiority and a hardness against people? We'll we'll be nice and we'll love as long as there's no conflict involved, or as long as I don't have to make anybody mad. Would you show us? Would you forgive us for the times that we've chosen our own way over being obedient, over loving? God, I, I pray for each of us, God, that you would you would help us find our place in the community, um, both relationally to connect with each other and to grow, but also to serve. God, we can't be like you if we don't if we're not serving, because you were the servant of all servants. God, and we we don't we don't want to do things just to be busy to prove that we love you, but we also know that you. Build in us a heart to serve, and you you can minister through us and teach us things and, and 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 we can love each other through simple acts of service. God. so I ask that you would you would show each of us what our part is. And God, I just I pray for all of us as we we close our time together, God um there's such a, such an attack in this world um the enemy is was working overtime to just give us all hard hearts god and there's so much there's so much opportunity out there to be calloused. and the 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 depravity sin um, heartbreak, all of these things, they, they, they can be so overwhelming and it's so tempting to just, to just let yourself go numb. Lord, but, but we ask You today to give us the strength, give us the courage to not do that, to keep a soft heart, to, to open our heart to others, to feel what they feel, to be empathetic. We thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you you empower us to live a life that we can be, not just do different things and act different, but be different. That in you, we are a new creation. That we can be strong enough to be soft-hearted and fearless. God, I thank you for, for this moment. I thank you for 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 ministering to us today. God, would you, would you seal us? Would you continue the work this week as we, we go about our day, Holy Spirit? Would you continue to, to counsel us? Would you continue to, to soften our hearts, to show us the areas that, that we need to redefine what success is and is not? I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. See you guys next week.